This is Parent Q Live, brought to you by the team at Parent Q. Hey friends, welcome back to the third of our technology episodes. Kristen, we're doing series now. I know. Here we are discussing technology, three podcasts in a row. Hopefully you guys are enjoying these conversations. And today, Kristen Ivey, we get to talk about navigating the dangers, danger zone, danger zone of online connection. Because I mean, let's be honest, with as many great things that online connections bring us, there's also dangers. Yeah. And as parents, we all know these fears. I mean, I think for me, I'm always afraid that what if I haven't found the right app or the right thing that I should be using to monitor something and I'm leaving my kids exposed or risks are out there that I'm unaware of. Yeah. And there's just a sense of unrest, yeah. right? No, there, there really is. I mean, it's it takes a lot to stay up on how can we make sure that our kids are protected? How can we make sure? I mean, I know for me, my wife looks at me all the time. I'll spend three hours setting up our kids' devices on the newest update, trying to make sure. And she just looks at me like, what would I do if you weren't here? <laughs> We'd be Amish, no phones, like nothing, you know, because it does, it takes work. But I think as parents, it's important that we, you know, do our due diligence and protect our kids. And so you had an opportunity, Carlos, to talk to a couple of our friends to yes. ask them specifically, hey, when we say there are online dangers or online risks, what comes to mind? So here are a couple of the responses that we got from our good friend, Kara Powell, and from Dave Adamson, as they responded to your question, what are some risks for our kids as they're connected online? I'll start with maybe the worst one, and that is there are predators out there. And so when you hand your child a device, you hand them a portal through which bad, evil people can mm. access them. And yeah. so, you know, I think one of the first ways that we as parents protect our kids is we have conversations with our kids about what to look out for, what kind of people they're allowed to or not allowed to be in contact with online and through games and social media and all that. So I'm certainly not somebody who sees a predator around every corner, but at the same time, we can't be naive. And yeah. there are people who are accessing kids through technology and, and we need, just need to let our kids know that and be aware mm. of that. But even beyond the scary bad person, so to speak, you know, I think the more common ubiquitous risks for kids are the way that technology comes to define them. I'm more and more convinced that young people are wrestling with three big questions. Question of identity, who am I? Question of belonging, where do I fit? And a question of purpose, what difference do I make? And there's so many ways that the church and our faith and relationships and technology can give us positive answers to those questions. Wow. But there's also ways that technology can fuel negative answers to those questions. And I know because, you know, I see it in myself and I see it in my own kids. So mm. let's just look at the question of identity. Who am I? It's easy when you're on social media to feel somehow not enough not talented enough, not pretty enough, whatever it might be, everybody else seems to have such a better life than you. And it's easy for young people or really people of any generation to feel insecure when you go on social media and see what everybody else is doing, or at least what everybody else projects they're doing. And so I think that's a risk for our kids. Since technology's become more common, um, there's some good news when it comes to adolescent risk behaviors. Young people are drinking less, partying less, 
and having less sex, which that's all to celebrate. Yeah, but the risk behaviors absolutely. that involve young people and others are down. But sadly, risk behaviors that are generally done in isolation are up. So wow. suicide, anxiety, depression. Yeah. And I think that's partly because what young people are seeing on technology fills them with shame and makes them feel inadequate. Their sense of belonging, they feel not popular enough. They don't feel like they have enough friends. They see everything they're getting left out of. Carlos, you and I might not have been invited to the party, but we didn't necessarily know it. No, until yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the next week at school and young yes. people say, they see it happening in real time, real time on Instagram. It can feel like everybody else has a better life and you don't measure up and you don't feel good enough. And make sure that if we see those signs in our young people, that we're having honest conversations with them and getting them the help that they need. There are some risks that I think parents intuitively know and, and are super obvious. One of those things that are really obvious is, you know, when they get access to a device and can get onto the internet, there's a whole bunch of internet websites that we don't want them to see, just specifically pornography. We don't want them to stumble onto a porn site, which is so much easier these days than it was when I was a kid. I had to go way out of my way to access any pornography. But, you know, I remember when I first got into being a church online pastor, somebody said to me, hey, you're basically setting up a church next to a porn store. And I think our kids in many ways are growing up next door to a porn store because it's so easily accessible. So we have to be aware of that. I think most parents are, and that's super obvious. And, you know, there's obviously ways we can address that by putting restrictions on websites and things like that. I think there are also some dangers that maybe parents don't think as much about initially. For us, we know when it comes to information online, our kids don't understand in intuitively that they shouldn't give too much information away, like their address, their phone number, their email address, just to random people in chat rooms and things like that. And so we try to teach our kids all the time about what they post online and to minimize it because they don't know who's on the other end of that chat. You know, it's not just a chat room on a website. This can be as simple as somebody on Instagram choosing to follow them and then direct messaging them. And it's fantastic that sometimes our kids, you know, are so accepting of other people, but that can move into their world of naivety as well. And so they think somebody's friended them and, and they're going to give some information out, but really they don't know who's on the other side of that. So that's one of those dangers that I think as parents, we need to be super aware of. We tell our kids all the time, don't give out any information. Don't accept friend requests from people you do not know. But, you know, even when we say that, we still have to go through their accounts and things like that in order to make sure that they're following those rules. For us, policing that becomes a pretty easy thing because in our house, you know, we have three teenage daughters. They've all got mobile devices. They've all got iPads. So what we've instituted in our house is every device in our house has exactly the same password, including my wife's and mine. So we do that because we want the girls to know, hey, at any moment, mom and dad who are paying for this device might come in and open it up and just see what you're doing on it. But likewise, you can do the same to us. And so I've had my kids grab my phone and say, hey, dad, what are you looking at at the moment? And they'll go through my history. But I love that. Here's the reality. <laughs> Things that are dangerous for our kids is dangerous for us as well. So knowing that there's extra sets of eyes looking at my device helps me. Knowing that there's extra sets of eyes looking at my kid's device helps them as well. I can relate so much to those concerns as a parent, thinking about online predators, thinking about the content that my kids may come across, especially pornography. 
uh, maybe even way earlier than I could ever imagine as a parent. There's one more concern that I think a lot of parents have begun to realize and feel as it relates to an increase in depression and specifically suicide that has been kind of spurred on by online connection. And here's what I mean by that specifically. When you look at the research, depression is up in our teenagers by about 33%. And that's across all socioeconomic levels. And now when it comes to suicide, specifically the way that depression is expressed through digital platforms can also be a true risk for our kids. Because as they watch one kid struggle there is a sense in which this can begin to spread. And it's important for us to pay attention because for I mean, decades now, the CDC will actually move into an area where a suicide has occurred or multiple suicides have occurred in an area to say, actually, there's a higher risk factor for kids in these areas because there is some kind of contagion around this and around kids who are trying to wrestle with what this means. Now, when a suicide occurs, it's for the world to see. And as it relates to some of these issues, there are higher levels of concern, not just with content that may be too advanced or adult for your kid to see, but maybe content that is extremely unsettling as they're trying to wrestle through a lot of emotions in the teenage years. Wow. And exactly what you're talking about is why we're going to have this conversation with our guest today. Our guest today is Titania Jordan, and she is the CMO of Bark. What in the world is Bark? Well, she's going to explain what it is and why they've titled it that. But Bark, it's an internet safety solution. And what it does is it helps parents and schools keep children safe across all the digital platforms, social media, text messaging, email, whatever it may be. If there's ever an app that we would love to talk about, this is going to be the one. And it's going to speak to even some of those risks that Kristen was just talking about as well. Titania, she travels the country serving as a tech expert on programs such as the Today Show, Steve Harvey, The Doctors, CBS Early Show, Good Morning America, all of the shows. And so, guys, this is going to be very, very valuable. Hopefully you enjoy our conversation with Miss Jordan. What do you see are some of the risks online for our kids and for our teenagers? This is me not saying this in a preachy way. This is me seeing this firsthand because I myself am addicted to technology. I mean, I'm never without my phone close by. I love notifications. I love likes. I love comments. If something doesn't get enough engagement, I delete it. Because God (laughs) forbid I have anything ugly on my Instagram feed, you know? These perils and dangers I'm saying because I've seen them firsthand and I'm guilty of uh, being on my phone more than anyone. So cyberbullying and not just children being the victim of cyberbullying, but witnessing it, seeing the culture kind of deteriorate among their friendship relationships, and also children actually being the bully. It's a lot easier to remove yourself from the feelings of others when you're doing it from behind of a screen instead of face to face. Even now, you know, we're doing a podcast, but we can see each other's faces and there's just an element of personal connection there that wouldn't be so if we couldn't see each other. Sexting. I was really shocked to know that sexting is the new first base. I mean, when I was in eighth grade, the buzz was, am I going to kiss this boy on the playground? Super benign compared to the nudes that children are being pressured to send now. It's such a vulnerable age. The pressure not only to sext, but if you have an image of a child under the age of 18 on a device, that's actually possession of child pornography. Mm -hmm. So the dangerous 
lifelong consequences these children face by engaging in seemingly risky but innocuous behavior. And then depression, anxiety, mental health issues. It is not healthy to be inundated with only the best and the brightest of everybody's world and not see the flip side. It'd be way better if Instagram made you post the real photo and then the filtered <laughs> photo because then people will get an actual depiction of wow. real life. Wow. Um, yeah. I've recently read some studies that did have direct correlations with technology when it came mm-hmm. to the rise of specifically depression and suicide. Can you speak to that connection for a minute? Absolutely. So there's two main elements to it. One is the physical stimulation that you get from a phone, both from the aspect of the blue light it emits and how it can affect your sleep, which affects everything, Hmm. and the way that it stimulates the same pleasure center in your brain as drugs, alcohol, sex, sugar, et cetera. Hmm. So there's an element of addiction there. And when you are not feeding that addiction, you can feel depressed and anxious. And specifically sleep cycles in teen and teenage years that disrupting the sleep cycle has a very real and physiological effect on a kid's brain. 100%. So the physiological aspects, that's not opinion. That's just fact. We know those things for a fact. And then let's talk about the more um, intangible elements of what I said earlier of, you know, if you're at home in your bedroom and you're 13 and you're scrolling on Instagram and you see everybody's at a party or he's dating her now and not you, or everybody's at the beach and they all look like they have tans and six packs of, you know, abs, not beer. Right? Yeah. Um, or that. But how does that make you feel about yourself? Hmm. I mean, I know as an adult, I see everybody's beautifully decorated homes, like it's straight out of architectural digest and they're in the Caribbean and their kids like will actually wear a collared shirt in a photo, unlike mine. And I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? Apparently it's all wrong. That can't be good. Tell us just a little bit about Bark, because that's the project that you're working on right now, and it has to do with an app. So walk Mm -hmm. us through just a little bit about why this app and what is it able to do for us? Ultimately, like high level, Bark is technology that keeps children safer online and in real life. What we do is we connect with over 24 social media platforms, including YouTube, as well as texting accounts and email accounts of children. And when our artificial intelligence connects with those accounts and devices, it will analyze, run in the background unobtrusively. And then when it finds problematic issues, it will then alert parents and schools to those issues. The company was founded by Brian Basin, who's a dad of two. He was actually working at Twitter at the time. And when his kids got old enough to have devices, he was like, you know, there's really no good way to keep my kids safe online. And like, I work in tech and I work in social. And if there's not a good thing that I know about, it's time to build it. So he built it to keep his own children safe online. But what he was trying to solve for was twofold problem. One is he did not have time to pick up their devices and go through them manually every day. It was time consuming. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it was ineffective and it was obtrusive. How is he going to build a relationship with his children based on like, snooping and prying and not giving them a level of privacy and ability to be a responsible digital native. So there's that. But there's also the fact that the other options on the market were focused on limiting screen time or limiting access to certain apps or devices. Nobody was focused on the actual content of what was happening 
across the different devices and platforms. And that's where we are seeing those issues as a society with mm. cyberbullying, sexting, thoughts of suicide and depression, potential drug use, online predators, which are real and horrible, and then acts of violence. Just a few stats that I want to share that make me so thankful I'm a part of this company. Our technology has helped to prevent 12 school shootings to date. And 34 families have written in to tell us that a bark alert helps save their child's life. Now, you also mentioned something in there about not being able to follow every piece of content that a kid puts out there and also just the tension we feel as parents sometimes in, should we be snooping? And to what degree do we snoop? I know back when I was growing up, it would have been like, do we walk into a room and read the journal? Pretty simple at the time. Now mm -hmm. your kid is putting out content online for the world to see, maybe through their Insta story. You know, mm -hmm. maybe they have a number of different apps that they could be recording video content of themselves, yep. tech content, audio content. What is our responsibility as parents? And when do we snoop? When do we not snoop? I like to use the diary analogy in that if my parents were to just go in and read my diary every night, that would feel super invasive and we would have a lot of friction in our relationship. That said, if they sensed that I was maybe bulimic or anorexic or really struggling with anxiety or depression or perhaps in an abusive relationship, I think they would have every right to go and try to dig and find out because their goal is to protect me, to help me live a healthy life. And so if those clues live in the place where they need to go find them, I would ultimately have to understand. And the thing with teenagers and tweens even, actually, you know, like eight to 11 year olds, we find that four out of five times when a teen or tween has expressed a desire to commit suicide, there are signs. And where are those signs? They're digital now. So if our algorithm can pick it up and alert parents, that's a win for everyone. This was a question um, that I asked a room of counselors on multiple occasions when I was going through a project that we call the FACE Project a few years ago. And it was probably one of the most disputed issues in the room about when and how should we snoop? Because for every single counselor who would say, well, I know these parents and in a story in our setting, it became invasive and it shut down the relationship. There was another story coming along behind it that said, well, I also knew a set of parents who discovered something really significant they needed to know about their child and their child was leaving it for them on purpose, hoping they would find it. And there was just a sense of it being a really, really hard question to figure out. First of all, parenting is so hard. You and I were talking offline about our personal struggles. And on top of that, every child is different. So there's no one right answer for every family. That said, if you're going to send your child to a new school and you never visit it, that's kind of your bad. You need to assess the landscape and don't send them into a car without instructing them how to put the seatbelt on. So don't give them a device that can access the world and the world can access them without knowing something about where are they spending their time. I don't need to go and look at my son's chat history in Roblox, but I do need to let him know there are some tricky people mm. online that might seem like they're his age and his friends, but they actually are not. So don't disclose personal information about yourself because the tricky people can maybe try to hurt you. So tailoring those conversations around you know, age-appropriate conversations are key. Don't be afraid to talk about those hard topics. I mean, suicide and sex, those are heavy things, right? Mm -hmm. Those aren't things that parents are like just dying to talk to their kids about. <laughs> but you have to because yeah. they're really happening. And if they know that they can come to you with those hard things, it's a lot easier than them turning to their peers 
that are not equipped to deal with that. How does Bark help parents accomplish this? A few things. One is our algorithm can connect to, let's say, Instagram and YouTube and texting and you know, 24 different things. Our algorithm will connect. It will run in the background and analyze contextually. And if there's a problem, it will send a parent or school an alert via text or email. And our algorithm is so precise that it can tell the difference between, let's say, a trip in front of a boy I like and I text my friend, oh, KMS, I'm so embarrassed. KMS stands for kill myself. I'm not actually going to commit suicide. I'm just dramatic and embarrassed. If I text my friend, however, I don't know if I have the will to live anymore. I'm thinking about KMS this weekend. That's when our algorithm, based on contextual analysis, will alert a parent or caregiver or school saying, this could be a sign of suicide depression. Here are the best recommended next steps for how to address it. And so how have you seen a family maybe who is engaged with this take these kinds of cues and respond in a positive way? I mean, I can't tell you how many parents continue to write in to tell us how Bark has helped their family, ranging from saving their child's life. You know, they got a Bark alert and now their child is maybe in the hospital for an extended period of time to get the true care they need to, you know, less severe issues. Like this has enabled us to have real open, honest conversations about appropriate technology use and how certain words, behaviors, and actions can affect your career and ability to get into college and relationships long-term. Pornography is a hard thing that we're dealing with right now. And so letting parents have some real conversations about what a healthy sexual relationship looks like with their children and versus what you see online that is absolutely not. So it's helping families communicate and take care of each other that is tailored for the way we now communicate and live, which is digitally. I know that this has impacted you as a mom, all of this world that you live in, and it has to be hard to look at the stats and be in the conversations about some of the harder conversations and issues that we're facing. And you've got a 10-year-old son. How does this shape the way that you parent? Honestly, I'm thankful because, you know, hand your kid YouTube, I'm sure they've made it safe. I'm gonna take a shower and not worry about it. I am no longer ignorant enough to do that. And if he's playing Fortnite and he has his headset on and I see that there's a fast moving chat conversation, A, that's happening in the living room, not his bedroom, because I need to be able to have visibility. And B, I'll say like, hey, all those people you're chatting with, you know them, right? You know them in real life, right? Are they saying anything that you're not sure what it means? Like if they say anything that makes you feel weird or seems off to you, you don't ever have to be ashamed. You can ask me anything. I will not judge you and I'll tell you what it means. So many conversations to have with our kids. <laughs> so many conversations. And yet yeah, it really does matter because it's easy to forget that if we aren't having the conversation, they may not have somebody speaking that context into their world about a few of those issues. Now, earlier you mentioned one more thing and I wanted to hit on this before we have to wrap up here. And you threw out the term digital native and being a yeah. responsible digital native. What is our goal in this digital space as yeah. we raise our kids to be responsible digital natives? It starts with just realizing that everything you do on a device or computer or anything that can connect to the internet could potentially live online forever. Even if you delete it, even <laughs> if you lose the device, even if the app says things disappear, it's only a screenshot away. So teaching that concept of permanence, even when you can't see something is key. And also 
guess from like a marketing and branding standpoint is like what you put out there is how you will be perceived. And let's think about all the different mm. ways that this could be perceived. And do you really want to take a picture of your butt with your iPad and send it <laughs> to your friend? You know, because if you're an eight-year-old boy, it might be funny, but not when you're 13 and it turned into a meme that has blown up on Reddit. So that's where we are. <laughs> well, I think that is so great. And it is the world we live in. So many more conversations for us to have as parents. Thank you for being able to join us today and talk about this. Thank you for having me and thank you for all, all that you're doing. Such practical takeaways from all of these conversations that we've been having these last few weeks. And so listen, friends, this is what we want to do as our cue this week. You know, we love to end these podcasts with a cue. What can you do? What's one thing you can do? And uh, this week, this is it. Okay, ready? Drum roll, please. This is your cue. Write down one thing that you fear. Now, you may have a thousand, but let's just focus on one. What's one thing that you fear and what will you do to be proactive about it? Okay, so we just want you to do that. Think about something within technology, online, that's a little bit scary to you as a mom or a dad. And let's just get practical. What are you going to do to be proactive about I mean, we all have it? the fears, right? This is we just naming it. it and... And taking a a step forward to be proactive so that it's not just in the back of your mind, keeping you up at night, making you feel like you're worried and stressed, but just going, hey, what is one thing that's within your control? Write it down. And then we're actually going to do a giveaway on top of this through Parent Q that's for everybody. This is for everybody. You don't have to enter to win. No winners, no losers. You're all winners. Everybody's a winner. Everyone's a winner. And what we're going to do is actually give you a free printable resource that you can download that'll help guide you through a little bit of proactive steps. Now, this one is going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but I kind of particularly love this episode because I've worked with teenagers for a long time as a volunteer and getting in their world. And I hear their stories. And so oftentimes something happens in the world, specifically a lot of oftentimes with teenagers where they're sharing a story about something that maybe happened at home and maybe a parent didn't react the way that they, you know, would have hoped in their mind as a teenager. Yeah. I mean, you, I, it this happens through every the day. lens Hell of a 14-year-old, yeah. <laughs> you know, 15-year-old. And in the back of my mind as a mom, I can't help but think, well, you know that for your dad, this was just a regular Tuesday. Yeah. And you maybe were planning this moment to tell him about something, maybe something you found online. Yeah. Or maybe... You didn't tell him, but he stumbled across something that was going on online. It was just a regular Tuesday for him. And in those moments as parents, it's so hard for us to know how to respond in a good and healthy way. And so here's the free resource we're giving you. Everyone's a winner. The free resource that we want to give you is something that will take you through a process for what you do when something happens that you weren't expecting. This is so valuable already. It is that manual that we want as parents, right? It is. And it's for you to kind of create your plan. Simple questions like, hey, in the moment that something happens in your house with your kid and you weren't expecting it, what do you want your response to be? And let me just give you a clue. It's okay if your response is just, I just need a minute. Yes. And I'm going to get back to you on this. And I'm going to go open up my email and read (laughs) exactly what I downloaded from Parent You Live. (laughs) And other questions like, who is it that you're going to call? Yeah. When something happens you weren't expecting to happen in your house, who can you pick up the phone and call in that moment yeah. who can talk you back into some sanity? 
because we all kind of just need to get in the habit of thinking through proactively. So one is think about something you fear. Yeah. Be proactive to take steps towards that. The other is download this worksheet so that that thing you're not fearing yet because it's something you're not even expecting yet, mm. download this and walk through a process for how you could respond. So good. I really wish I had this before today. Thanks, Kristen, for, for allowing the last two years of my parenting to be successful with my oldest daughter. Yeah, friends, download it. Everyone, everyone gets this and you have an opportunity to, again, prepare. That's all we want you guys to do, prepare. Okay, that's the end of our three-part technology series. Three parts done. Hopefully you guys can come back and listen to this. It'll be a resource that you can listen to over and over again. There's been so much stuff. You can download that free resource as part of this episode's show notes at theparentq.org forward slash episode 94. If these episodes have helped you, share it with a friend, yeah. share it with other parents who yeah. are struggling with this issue of how to raise kids in a digital and connected world. Yes, absolutely. And, and feel free to share these resources that you guys download as well. Send them to all your friends, aunts, uncles, and cousins. And then also make sure your aunts, uncles, and cousins listen to the podcast and rate us on iTunes and Spotify and all the places. Guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us on another episode of Parent Q Live. We'll see you next time.